Golight presents the Lennon Courtney podcast. Are you telling me there's a story you haven't told me? I did I? No, I think you know it. Okay. I, don't, I don't think you'd put it as identity theft, but okay. it actually technically okay. is. Okay, okay. Because this person really looked like me. <laughs> I think I have little uh, inklings. Okay. If if you don't okay. get into trouble now. C- no, I won't get into trouble. But it's a bit gross. Well, it's not gross. It's just a bit slutty. I slap on myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm Sonia Lennon. And I'm Brendan Courtney. And this is the Identity Theft episode of the Lennon Courtney podcast. See what we did there? We're so clever. Brains to burn, Brendan. But before we start, we'd love it if you left a positive review and five delicious stars on Spotify or iTunes. It helps us get more eyes on our podcast and we simply can't do this without you. In this week's episode, we're looking at the terrifying prospect of identity theft. Over the next 30 minutes, we discuss Vegas fraud, the guards and the man who stole my life. Oh, right. Let's get started. Mm. So you look very smart today in aubergine. Yeah, head to toe in aubergine. I'm dressed like a long, narrow fruit. You're, <laughs> you're, not like, a fruit. you're an emoji. I'm you're not, a walking emoji. Um, is it too, not too much aubergine oh, legs? Oh no, I love it. As Isn't you it? know, I didn't know it was double aubergine. Oh yeah, like, aubergine legs. Yeah, aubergine legs <laughs> and aubergine arms. Aubergine, good and aubergine charms. Like it. Aubergine on aubergine. Brendan Courtney's first novel. Whatever. <laughs> Why is she doing an English accent? We were just talking. Why do we do accents? Uh, so um, I always like to ask whose idea was this and we just asked whose idea was this apparently it was mine (laughs) we couldn't remember it actually was yours because you know that that lady so here's the funny thing I I, a good friend of mine told me a story before you tell us a story just in case anybody's never heard of it what is identity theft that you understand so identity theft is uh, the appropriation of your personal information more often than not for financial gain right Basically, take, stealing taking someone's. your information and using it for for financial gain. Now, sometimes it can be about back to our old friend co- coercive control, and it can be sort of psychological, and maybe that's the sociopath or the psychopath is doing that rather than the the thief. But Make sure nor- to listen to other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Go back one, um, but normally it's for financial gain. So, and people are more afraid of it now. I mean, if you haven't seen it, uh, uh, if you really don't know what it is, look at the Melissa McCarthy. Movie, it's hilarious. First of all, called Identity Thief. Um, called Identity Thief, yeah. Yeah. But uh, what people are mostly afraid of is online identity theft. So, someone maybe I've seen, I saw, um, was it uh, Dr. Kira who works here? Kelly, Kira Kelly keeps getting fake Instagram accounts set up. So, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, right? And also, maybe then accessing your bank. True, online identity theft is the big problem at the moment. So, there's three different types of identity theft. So there is um, sort of a, a sole operator who might lift your information opportunistically from physical data. So um, there's a case, I think it was Melissa Brown, a very famous case in the States, um, got her information lifted from somebody who was approving a loan, took oh. her social security number, took all she her... worked data. in the bank? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so she worked in in a um, credit facility and stole her identity and ran roughshod over her credit rating for six months before she was caught. Bought a house and everything, like so crazy stuff. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, so yeah, not supposed to laugh at <laughs> no, identity theft. No, no, bad no, identity theft. Never, death, never. So. so that's the first one, where it's kind of a physical lift and it's opportunistic. The second one is kind of the fishing one that we w- we're all much more aware of now, where um, somebody's trying to hook you. 
um, with, uh, you know... Uh, uh, oh, that's why it's called fishing. Me too. I had that little kind of job as well. But that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So they're trying Sonia. to hook you online to divulge information that they can then appropriate. Hi, and pretend, use. pretend this is the bank. Yeah. Uh, pretend, pretend we seem to have a fault in your account. Send us your date of birth, exactly. your phone number, your, your pin, your blah, blah, blah. And then blah. they can access your data and yeah. off they go. And the third one is then kind of corporate identity theft, which is malware, ransomware, which happened to the HSE. So really, really highly sophisticated corporations, one called Evil Core, which I, I think is fantastic. <laughs> um, Evil Core took $100 million in one year in ransom from corporates. Who $100 million. It? Who uh, they, it? uh, It's Russian. Evils. Evil people. And they, are, they run like any corporation with a customer service department. So if you do get attacked, you can ring them. It's like, hello, Evil Core, customer <laughs> service. <laughs> you can ring them and, you know, sort it out but and sorting it out means paying so they're a huge corporation wow. um, but so they're the three types of identity theft it can either be but why doesn't the FBI close them down they're trying okay they're doing their best <laughs> give them a break <laughs> yeah give Evil Core a break they're only people as well but the reason why Evil Core have it set up like a professional operation because there is huge money as you said Massive. to be made in it and I'm going to bring in some facts to back that up Good Go woman. on. thank you the Federal Trade Commission in America received around 4.8 million identity theft and fraud complaints in 2020 which is a rise of 45% from 2019 that, hold on that that's insane. A rise of 45% in 2019. Is that because of COVID? It's on the rise, year on year. But actually, Esther, that is, they are the, the cases of identity theft that have been reported to the Federal Reserve. There's another statistic <gasps> that there were thir over 13 million victims of identity fraud in the year 2013. Stop. 30 million? 13.1 million in 2013. And, and the statistic is that every two seconds, someone in America becomes the victim of identity theft. Every two seconds. That's wow. great. Because it's like evil. But we're say, safe here, right? I don't think so. <laughs> and, and Well, there is a huge amount of social shame around mm. identity theft. But actually, if you think about it, like I've, I've had my credit card scammed and that's through a data breach. So it's not full on. I would never say... You know, I, d I didn't have my identity stolen, but I had data stolen, which was used. And, you know, one of the key things is to constantly check your statements and make sure that there's nothing amiss. And what I noticed a couple of times was that um, there were tiny amounts, like stupid amounts, like 13 cent and maybe 70 cent coming out for random things. And, and you, you, you chase that back then and that's sort of getting into the system and seeing if they can... If, they yeah. notice, if you notice. Because they're exactly. testing you. But also if, it's, if what they're doing is working, basically. Yes. Anyway, back to my red hot facts. Uh, the digital forensic market, there's a digital forensics market. It's forecast to reach a market size of 8.973 billion in 2026. And that's up from 4.24 billion in 2019. And then the final exciting fact is, according to a report by uh, the Herjack, Herjavec Group uh, they're a big cyber crime group they predict that cyber crime cost the world around 6 trillion in last year and to bring that That's home crazy. the guards have set up an online um, cyber crime squad I think it's I don't know how many people are in it but they're now releasing data and, and they're li solely looking after online crime my mother bring her right back home gave somebody her credit card number over the phone and they bought a holiday to Florida <laughs> which I cracked up I was so direct person to person because what I've heard is, I think I've said it before, that they found out that um, 
this they had this uh, what do they call it a cell of people ringing people like a group of people mm-hmm. basically and they busted the cell they're in Ireland I fantasise and it's not true but I fantasise they're in County Louth with Louth accents I don't know why I love that and um, but it's true that they were uh, using RIP.ie to find widows and widowers so older people awful, on their own being targeted by phone calls real old school hello and, and of course when you're obviously older what uh, did they say when they ring? hello <laughs> This is the accent. Get your right in. Get your right. We have got get booked by the end of this. Get, get your right in there. Oh, hello. This sounds like a friendly room, boys. Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, What's hello? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Hello. No, it was, hello. But um, yeah, they, so they target widows and widows and older people who lose their. It's just tragic. But, but the, apparently, they have been caught. And this, by the way, this is all hearsay from a friend, a friend of mine, who's researching it for a TV documentary. And Marion was giving, telling me all this stuff. So it's really interesting that it is. We have a, an online cyber squad now in the guards, which is kind of fantastic. Hopefully, they get funded and stuff. But you've just st- stuck another one in my head. I know somebody who put up. I've been scammed online, guys. The, the shall remain nameless, right? They're using my identity again on Grinder. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Me thinketh you were caught by your partner on Grinder with your hoo-hoo's out <laughs> looking for extra curricular date activities. Hilarious. We were all like, oh, yeah, That's you, right. Yeah. That's what happened. That's what happened. They screen grabbed because you are so hot they wanted to pretend to be you. Hilarious. We shall never say the name. Don't worry. But Brendan Glasshouse Alert Oh God, what was I caught? <laughs> Not the only person who's had their identity stolen. And you're mm. going to tell us all about that. I real, on my way here, I remembered, and it's a very old fashioned way of having your identity stolen. And it, it does end with sex. So it's quite interesting. You'll have to find out after the break. <laughs> God, I hope my mother never listens to this podcast. She wouldn't. No, none of our parents have listened to it. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Um, yes, I did have my identity stolen. So I was about 20, oh no, maybe 32, 33. So properly established television presenter in Ireland gay famous doing my thing and going out loads in your prime going out loads basically so but I'm just trying to paint a picture of where my world was so I didn't queue at nightclubs anymore and not that not that was many there was only two gay nightclubs we went to but so I know all the bouncers but everybody did that's Dublin it was nothing about being off the telly but it, I knew all the promoters I was at that stage in my life I was going out all the time Everybody will relate to that period when you know everybody on the door. And so it wasn't to do with it being on the telly, but I think it slightly was because my identity was stolen in that, right? After a couple, I remember it also had joined up a year after it happened where bouncers would go, Oh, were you, oh, you had a good night last night. And I'm like, What did I that was? And I always would go, Was I that drunk or whatever? And I'm like, well, Oh, and then I'd go, I wasn't here last night. Or they'd say, it's really good to see you in that restaurant and I go oh yeah and maybe maybe so I was confused <laughs> and then I went into some the pod or something and see Dennis and the Dennis was like you were just here and I was like I wasn't just here and he was like you were just here and, and he said come here and he, there you are and there was a guy my my twin standing at the bar and I went up and tapped him on the shoulder and he went oh I knew I'd get caught <laughs> and I was like he said so he he didn't do it on purpose he said, I walked up to a nightclub a year ago and the guy went, hey, Brendan, come on in. And he's like, OK. <laughs> and so he was obviously... Obviously, it, it, it doesn't need to be said, he was a handsome devil. Oh, he was beautiful. <laughs> so we, we had a few drinks and the rest was history. <laughs> I slept with myself. What can I say? <laughs> the dreams do come true. <laughs> I'm not proud. I was single. It was a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, he was... It's really a rite of passage, really. I, in fairness, it? the guy, he said, it happened to me. People kept saying it to me. So eventually I he's said... Like, yeah. Yeah, okay, I am. And I just, he said, I never 
He said, I did take some couple of free drinks once, but I, I would just skip the queue and get in the door. Blah, blah. He was a nice guy, actually. But did, did he look like you? Did he look like you? He, he, I didn't think so. Yeah, he, yeah. he did. A same shape head and he would confuse me for him, definitely. So we all have five doppelgangers. Is that I've, true? I've seen a doppelganger of mine once when I was in Australia years ago. And from the side, I was like, it was weird. Yeah. She was stunning. Like, from the side, from the front, she was real off. But from the side, beautiful. I got, I got squirreled down um, a particular research hole. <laughs> so many images in my head. Squirreled down a research hole by Sonia then. And I came across this woman called Elite. And she sort of accidentally became a hacker. <laughs> The hack of her. Here's the thing I didn't know. Every year in Las Vegas, there is a massive global hacking conference called DEFCON. No. Yes. And it is enormous. And it's, it's known globally in security circles. And she, en- she ended up stumbling into this world. Does everybody skulk around corners? Oh, yeah. In black cloaks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they do this thing. So, so she calls herself a social engineer. And this is a term that comes up an awful lot with identity theft, is that people social engineer your information out of you. So that's, that's a whole... Is that a polite way of saying you're a hacker? Well, it's kind of the profession. Oh. And you can be um, a bona fide professional social, social engineer. So are they like... Uh, what's your mother's maiden name? Well, basically, what's first a like, really I mean, sophisticated version of that. So in DEFCON, they have this thing called the Social Engineering Village and they do what is essentially an actual hackathon. They You, you get three months to um, to research a company, any, any company that the organisers decide. You get all your information, which is called, I'd never heard this term before, OSINT. So OSINT is Open Source Intelligence Tool. So this is any information that's available on the public record. And most, most information is out there and available if you know where to look. So you get all your information. Then you come to, to the social engineering village at DEF CON. You get put in a soundproof booth. You have all your numbers that you want to call, your persona that you're going to be. And you ring the marks and you, are, you try and get information out of them that are called flags. And if you get the right flags out of them in a particular time period, you win the prize. And she ended up getting... So she she decided she was going to get um, uh, sensitive information for this particular company by targeting their remote sales reps. And she thought to herself, I'm going to do that. Um, I'm going to find a way to incentivize them to tell me what I need to know. So she rang them all up and she said... The company of my name's, you know, Deborah. I'm ringing from head office in Dallas. I'm an intern, and um, so I have a list of names to go through. You're on the list. Uh, the company have decided that they're going to issue brand new laptops to the whole remote sales crew. So of course, the lad on the other end of the phone is going, "Brilliant! I need a new laptop." So I need you to boot up your computer. I need oh, you to tell me what the apps are on your computer. Tell me what you're you're using. La la la. Anyway, ended up getting loads of sen- sensitive information from all of them, and and ended up winning the black badge, which is what you win if you're the ultimate hacker. She was then getting phone calls from CEOs of multinationals all over the world. She was a mother of three with a part time job, and she is now a professional social engineer consultant, and she's brought in by companies to plant phishing scams to stress test the security of a corporation. Wow. So it actually has... That's kind of reassuring though. Well, it, it has a valid function as a role if you're not in the dark side of it. And you're, there's always going to be a dark side. That's the point, right? Yeah. There's always going to be opportunists 
thieves from whether it's robbing an apple from a wheelbarrow in medieval London you mm. know there's always going to be opportunists who will try and manipulate people for bet to get for financial gain right absolutely that's always it's just that they're doing it in a much more technologically advanced now and what now. are so just to, because I I think why I think this is a very interesting subject is because we are all nearly all there's some nerds who are great at it really guilty <laughs> of not changing our passwords right mm. or of forgetting a password and going next fall or clicking accept 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 you know you shouldn't accept well, all actually that's it's really funny when I was um when I was having a look around um, and, and doing research around this, I, I went on to UNESCO privacy, digital privacy site, site, privacy site and it asked me to, to, to accept cookies. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to accept cookies because now I'm researching identity theft. And I know that every time you do that, you know, you're giving them data, you're giving them data and your data is not your own anymore. You know, and there's so much like there's a professor of. Um, so first of all, don't accept cookies. Well, cookies are about to be outlawed. Cookies wow. are no longer going to be legal very, very soon. So, um, and, in, and in the world? In the world, yeah. They're, they're being banned. So is it too late for mugs like us who've given all our data away? So, so when, when, we, when we accept those cookies, when we accept the cookies, what are we doing, Sonia? We're allowing the platform to track our activities. It's gross. From it the is. moment you accept the cookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think Google are also changing their their algorithms and their tech to disable data storage on 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 all platforms as well. So um, things are changing. They're definitely changing. And I mean, remember years ago, Bren, I read that book by Doc Searles. I think we both read it, um, which was about um, it was called the identity economy. Yeah. So so actually data is 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 where the real money is right now. And he was saying all those years ago, he was saying, you know, we, we shouldn't be giving our data away. Nobody should ask us to give our data away. Yeah. Somebody, we should decide, you are a trustworthy data broker and you're going to manage my data for me to all the other uh, platforms and you're going to lend it to them to prove it's me and then take it back. Yeah. And I think there is, I think with this these new um, laws That's and terrifying. algorithms that actually mm. there's going to be a kind of a data scrub now and, and uh, all the tech platforms are going to have to lose cached data, which is really interesting. Yeah, because I've heard that recently. I mean, obviously you read that book a while ago, but, you know, people like Kara Swisher, she's a journalist at the New York Times, but she's saying that, and other people have said it, that if we should be invoicing Facebook for our data because you think, oh no, Facebook's free, Instagram's free, but that they're making their money off that. So yeah, in the future, that's, that's it sounds kind of ridiculous to us now, but in the future, yeah, we could have a broker, like well, an agent. They can sell how many times we look at our screen. That's what they sell. That's how they sell their advertising, right? So yeah, so yeah. we're the supplier of that, yeah, that and that's resource. Yeah. That's very interesting. I never thought of it like yeah. that. So if we all got together as a as a species and said, we're all closing our eyes tonight and we're not looking at the screens. You can leave the screens on. If you want us to open our eyes, we're going to invoice you for that. Yeah, that's yeah. so here, that could here, happen, here's like a the mad thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So the NHS in the UK have all the medical data of the UK population and they shared that data with the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries. Right, who are the people who set the insurance policies based on risk. Oh, that seems wrong. <laughs> it does seem wrong. And then policies rose because these actuaries were now making calculations based on people's medical records. Holy Toledo. That, like yeah. it's crazy. And there's a fantastic um, professor of privacy at Harvard. Is it, is it crazy though? Well, you see, th there's this thing called anonymized or pseudonymized data. 
and personal data. And there's a difference, right? So your personal data is any data that can be linked directly to you, whereas pseudonymized data is data that is floating outside of your actual identity. But this professor of privacy, do you, do you understand? Yeah, but... What so you your mean, social exactly? security is only okay, you. Okay, yeah. Um, your, your date of birth is not only you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's pseudonymized. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it, it, it's it, that's allowed to be mm-hmm. cached mm-hmm. somewhere, mm-hmm. whereas your social security number mm-hmm. isn't ex- uh, under, except under the right conditions. But this um, professor of privacy, Latanya Sweeney in Harvard, uh, I have all the notes here for you, Esther. Okay. Um, she she wants to make a point about this and, and talk about the fact that so much data in the public domain can link directly back to the person, even though we believe it to be floating outside of our identities. So she gathered data around. She reckons that if you gather date of birth, postcode and gender, you can identify 87 percent of the American population. Hmm. Right. So she did a she did a piece of research around that in a particular area. Um, and then she bought medical records for the area, which she said is pretty easily done. And she was able to link the two sets through a process of elimination. She was able to find the local governor for the area who was kind of fighting her all the way with privacy. And she was able to send him his own medical mm. records by a process of elimination. Mm. Wow. That shut him up. Yeah. And I think also we, we kind of we do blindly put a lot of trust into, say, the speaker in our the, the whatever service we the speaker are in the laptop the whatever the online application the the website and our and permissions stuff, and our permissions but and they say it's it's anonymous it's anonymized but they I mean they can figure out if they've if you started Facebook or whatever you can figure out in a couple of keystrokes how to reveal that in fact it is Brendan Corney and I will say this other thing I've just finished this book called it's a fiction book that I've loved Dave Eggers called the Every and there's a section in it it's really funny they're talking about an Alexa type device and it's like. No, we're not listening to your conversation. That are, okay, we are listening to your conversations, but they're anonymized. Well, they're not completely anonymized. <laughs> no, you know, a human being would never listen to it. Okay, well, human beings have been listening to it and transcribing them, but you know, we're not going to use the data for it. But we are. You know, that's how it goes. It's like it's like a lobster being boiled. Yeah, we're releasing all these slowly, things. slowly. Yeah, I, I couldn't allow Alexa in my house. I couldn't have a speaker listening. But then the telly's listening and the phone's listening. So yeah. what? What's that? Where do I draw the line? It's naive. There's a company out there called People Data Labs. Of course there is. <laughs> and they have uh, a public facing platform called People, P-I-P-L, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is their mission statement. Today, the PDL platform seeks to enable all companies to build compliant people data solutions. Our sole focus is on building the best data available by integrating thousands of compliantly source, sourced data sets into a simple, single, developer-friendly source of truth. Put it on and they it. have three billion personal profiles. Wow. And they're legal. And they sell it. And they sell it. So so the the quick solution as a as an end user, first of all, is to turn everything off. That's basically it, right? Delete everything. And as the, the my friends in the social dilemma say, or in their podcast is called Your Undivided Attention, delete all your social media accounts. That's the that's the first solution. Well first of all, they say turn off your notifications. So stop selling your attention. Stop looking at your phone. Second of all, they say turn off turn off your phone so don't answer every phone call. And third they say then when you feel brave enough, start deleting your social media accounts, go right back to source and delete them. And that's effectively like closing your eyes on the system and that's a way to combat it but that's not realistic for people who sell for a living you know we want you want there was almost a liberation to finding your own avenue for selling directly to to, to customers so there's there's a couple of sometimes I wish somebody would go and hit a big switch and turn off the internet yeah but the dam like airplanes would fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, the damage would be untold now. We're too we're too far in, aren't we? 
Yeah. So it needs to be regulated. Well, I, I think yeah. even simple things like your location services, you know, and, and we're allowing um, we're allowing platforms and apps to use our location services. We're basically telling them exactly where we are all of the time, all of the time, you know, and, and there's it's, it's an awareness about. And I think, look, the reality of this, if somebody's identity has been stolen every two seconds in the States, it's a problem. It's a problem. We're, we're vulnerable to this. I mean, I think that if there is information out there about you and it's accessible, which it obviously is, that people can map every piece of you um, and understand your inclinations before you even know what they are. And that leads to a gross manipulation of your environment. An influence, yes. Yes, so an influence is voting. There's a great video out there um, at the moment called Amazon yesterday and it's like a kind of one of those line drawings of Amazon yesterday you know we you didn't even know you wanted it and it was already on your on your front door before you even thought to order it and that's you know and oh it's okay we've already have your return because you know yeah. and it's this idea that the 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 technology is gathering so much data about us and you know and and manipulating our purchasing decisions and that is the truth of it yeah they can predict what we're going to yeah. do well, I, I have some things that we can people can watch out for in terms of protecting themselves. You know, wear a condom. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> put a condom on that aubergine. And we all do this. First of all, every time you go online, you kind of think, what am I sacrificing for convenience? Like, how much of my identity am I giving away? How much privacy am I giving away? You know, you're like, I just want to get on the Wi-Fi. So one thing you can watch out for is don't collect to unsecured Wi-Fi. If it tells you it's unsecured, that's that's kind of a red. It's not, it's a warning sign. It's saying they can someone could someone could a, a bad player could get in and trawl all your data. So if you're just queuing for a, something and some shop offers you unsecured Wi-Fi, just be like wait till you get home Good or idea. wait till you get home. Yes, that's one thing. But we all delay a little bit of delayed gratification. A little bit of delayed gratification would never hurt anybody. Overseen. Oh. <laughs> Follow the hashtag aubergine for this episode. Uh, another thing, you overshare on social media, and a very simple one is like, "I'm off on holidays now. I'll be gone from the house for two weeks." A little thing like that, you don't think about. It. You're excited. You want to share. You're posting in real time. Most people don't care what you do or are not looking in your life, and maybe you're not all of us are King Kardashian. But someone could be keep have an eye on your house and go, "Oh, what? think about Kim in Paris." Think about Kim and the Paris. ring. Now, I'm sorry, I've got, I've been, I have been hacked in Facebook twice. Mm. They, I notice little postings, very subtle little, you know, bunny rabbits walking up a hill on my main Facebook page, and, and I was like, oh, it must have been drunk last night. <laughs> and then I noticed another post. And I said, no, I didn't post that. That's weird. And I, I, I caught it straight away. And there was um, a guy from selling Senegal, picture of his wife, and he had got in, and so I just screen grabbed him and posted him and said, this guy just hacked my Facebook. And then just before he left and I was trying to figure out how to get rid of him, he changed the language on my Facebook to Senegalese and I couldn't read it. Uh, it was kind of genius. Two fingers to me for catching hilarious. it. But could you get in touch with Facebook and then they, they, they were useless. Late? I had to do it myself. There's no real, there's bots. And so it's very frustrating when you get in trouble, mm-hmm. getting support on, across all platforms, social media, all of them, I've found uh, it's really, there's a barrier there. There's no phone number. They can't speak to a human. So you feel really at sea. But you feel so stupid. And that that is, like we said, it's it's the it's the big point. And, and there's very little research done on this. And it's such a growing area. But, you know, there there is this perception that there's a sort of a social shame, a stupidity, a vulnerability, an isolation. So tell us what to do, Sonia. Three well, tips, three quick tips now well, that's going to save us. Well, I think it. you've kind of gone through them in terms of being aware of your sort of digital hygiene. Yeah. Another one that Brenda mentioned earlier, don't use the same password, Fluffy102, on every single... Gosh. 
Yeah, sorry, Sonia. That's change that. One of my favourite jokes of all time is Alan Carr's joke where he says, I noticed my mother had saved her her, her bank number under Mr. Pin. <laughs> <laughs> I've just bought, I just opened on my a trust wallet uh, to sell a non-fudgeable token, right? Talk about giving me data. I was like, yeah, here's my here's my ID to an app I just downloaded. So I ran... Was it facial recognition? Well, my phone is facial recognition. So, so I mean, that's, if you think about, do you remember the Ferrari with FaceApp? Ah, what's going on? <laughs> um, and, and, and the idea that you have given your facial data to, mm. to an app so that it can manipulate yeah. your face and that, that became a huge issue yeah. and kind of was brought again to the Federal Reserve and the FBI for uh, investigation because all this data was going to a Chinese company everybody's faces and if you think about it a lot of people are using facial recognition as a security do you tool. use it? I, do, what? do you use facial recognition as a security? I don't use it and actually th- that's the other really interesting fact is two factor Authentication is, yes. is should be on every yeah. single device. Take any security you can get. Do you know Dave's, your partner's pin on his phone? Yes. I don't know Adam's. No. And he has facial recognition, so do I. And he was asleep through the night in his phone. <laughs> so I held his phone, because I've seen it on a movie, and tried <laughs> to get his phone to open, right? To turn his phone off. I didn't realize you can turn the phone off, by the way, without opening the thing, right? And he woke up with me hovering over his That's face with his phone, funny. trying to open his phone. That's very funny. Didn't work because you need your eyes open. Yeah, you need those peepers ah. open. Um, so to bring this scintillating half hour to a close, what have you taken away from this episode? What have you learned? I think it's, for me, it's it's how prevalent it is. And, you know, that kind of you're only ever 10 feet from a rat in a city. Uh, you're probably pretty close to somebody being able to take take your personal data and and manipulate it. I find it's a subject that literally makes me understand my parents more because I just put my head back in the sand because I find it quite overwhelming as a subject. And I have so many online personalities, but I have because of work. And so to start to strip them back, you know, I have a Tumblr, I don't know where that is. Somebody's off tumbling down. Hills. Off, off tumbling yeah. down cloud hills. But yeah, I think I'd love to strip it back. I mean, I'm, I'm going through a... Decoupling as a kind of an early adapter kind of person I'm decoupling from social media definitely feel that I don't enjoy it as much as I did for longer I used to have periods where I didn't enjoy it and now it's those periods are getting longer and I find you know the way you have some influencers that you follow and they're funny and then they irritate and then they're funny it's like, it's like a TV show it's like people are being mean about Sex and the City because it's irritating but they're kind of getting into it now it's normal flow of ebb and flow of life so I find and I do think a little detox from it all is very good for your head yeah, I really do because it's, it removes a new complication that we introduced in our adulthood into our daily lives that we mm. carry a handheld computer with us every day. We have access, like we're checking our emails in the car. Which is more powerful than the computer that sent that the first rocket to Mars. You know, you know like it's, it's extraordinary. So that's got to be long term a little bit bad for the soul, I think. I think what was really interesting as well is I... I contacted two people who've been through identity theft and neither of them were willing to talk about it and they were obviously very scarred so if you're listening to this and you're thinking but sure doesn't matter to me this isn't relevant think about what would happen if you were to recover from that (laughs) and I think it's not something you recover from easily there are people out there telling their stories saying three years later they're still trying to scrape the pieces of their lives together so it's it's a world of pain and if you're alone have you locked the back door? <laughs> Are you <laughs> listening that? at night? What's that noise? 
The Len and Courtney podcast is an Exceed Potential production. Esther O'Mordonahu is producer and social media is managed by Julie Gartland with special thanks to D-Ready at Go Loud. Follow at Len and Courtney on all social media platforms with the latest news and updates. New episodes are released every Thursday.